Are you concerned about equality and fair treatment for African-Americans? Do you believe in a future where our communities are safe from both crime and over-policing? President Biden's administration is making major decisions, and we need your voice to be heard. The proposed ban on menthol cigarettes is in its final stages of approval, and black and brown law enforcement executives have said it could have dire unintended consequences for African-Americans. The clock is ticking. Call President Biden at 202-456-1414 and ask him to stop this proposed menthol rule. The ban on menthol could lead to an illicit market and increased crime in our communities. Call President Biden and demand that he halt the ban on menthol until there's a review of the investigative findings. Let's make sure that over-policing and racial profiling come to an end. Call President Biden at 202-456-1414. Tell him to stop targeting African-Americans with a menthol ban. Time is running out. This message is paid for by Alliance for Fair and Equitable Policy. The views expressed in the following program are those of the participants and do not necessarily reflect the views of Saga 960 AM or its management. Seeking truth and justice in a battleground of deception and corruption. This is The Richard Serrett Show. I want all of you to get up out of your chairs. I want you to get up right now and go to the window, open it, and stick your head out and yell, I'm as bad as hell and I'm not going to take this anymore. We must not allow ourselves to be intimidated. Our task is not only to win the battle, but to win the war. Kidding, we're not in Kansas anymore. Take a look at this country through her eyes if you really want to see something. You'll see the whole parade of what man's carved out for himself after centuries of fighting. You're out of order! You're out of order! The whole trial is out of order! You have meddled with the primal forces of nature! And good afternoon to everyone, except for the callous, freedom-hating, robe-wearing injustices on the Supreme Court of Canada. The Supreme Court of Canada announced it will not hear the appeal of an Alberta woman who was unwilling to be vaccinated in order to get a life-saving organ transplant. So the headline in today's Toronto Sun reads, Supreme Court of Canada won't hear unvaccinated woman's case for organ donation. I'm going to fix the headline for the Sun. It should read, Supreme Court of Canada sentences sentences woman to death for refusing risky COVID jab. I can't think of a single more important case for the court to hear. A woman's life is hanging in the balance for standing up for the most fundamental right there is, the right of bodily autonomy. But the Supreme Court in this backward, sad sack of a country aren't interested in hearing the case. They're not interested in hearing any case about COVID. Because we have nothing but progressive left-leaning Karens sitting on the bench in this country. I don't even know of any doctors that are pushing the COVID vaccine at this point. Some are quietly acknowledging what a disaster the vaccine, so-called, has been. 
Not enough, mind you, but I know of several. And yet, Annette Lewis is going to die without an organ transplant. But she can't have one because she won't take this risky and ineffective jab. It's outrageous that this is going on in a supposedly advanced and enlightened liberal democracy. And I could not possibly hold the Supreme Court of Canada in lower regard. So we can no longer count on public health. We can't count on our on our elected officials. We can't count on the judicial system in this country. Canada is seriously, seriously broken. Um, I'm hoping to speak with Annette Lewis's legal counsel later in the show. Perhaps the only thing that can save Annette Lewis at this point is a crowdfunding campaign through Give, Send, Go, so she can leave this godforsaken land, maybe claim refugee status somewhere else where, where they will perform the surgery, the organ transplant on humanitarian grounds, because there certainly is no humanity to be found in this country. Shame on the Supreme Court of Canada. They've likely condemned this woman to death. Think about that. Just a a reminder to all the global warming bedwetters out there. Arson is not climate change. Arson is not climate change. These forest fires raging in northeastern Ontario, Quebec, Alberta, etc. are not caused by climate change. Many of them were deliberately set. So let's stop with the hysterics. Now, of course, the Liberals and the NDP in Ottawa would like you to believe that they can stop these forest fires tomorrow. If only you would pay more tax. They can cool the earth and they can stop the fires just by getting us to pay them more tax. What a crock. Clown posse up in Ottawa. We are ruled by a confederacy of dunces. So a woman in Port Alberni on Vancouver Island has been arrested for setting 15 fires. Police in Calgary have arrested a man after he confessed to intentionally starting a large fire in Inglewood. But despite the arson, forest fires are down globally. And in Canada, forest fires are down. Burn acreage in North America is down 95% since pre-industrial times. That's from a review from the Federal Wildland Fire Management Agency in the United States. Dated 1995. The largest forest fires in modern, or sorry, the largest forest fire in modern North American history, occurred in New Brunswick in 1825. 1825, one-fifth of New Brunswick burned in just 24 hours. 1825. Arson is not climate change. Billboard Chris, Chris Elston, is up in Ottawa where once again he will stand peaceably wearing his billboard sign that says children cannot consent to puberty blockers, 
Sometimes he wears another sign that reads, Dad, a human male who protects his kids from gender ideology. He'll be on the show later, hour two. And Chris will happily engage in conversation with anyone who wishes to uh, engage with him. And he usually videos it on his uh, camera phone. And he will likely be harassed by radical, unhinged trans activists who will scream at him two inches in front of his face. Sometimes they'll punch him. They'll attempt to grab and destroy his camera phone. They will call him all the usual names, fascist, transphobe, white supremacist. And the police will stand by and watch him being physically abused. Billboard Chris deserves an order of Canada. And as I said, he'll be here in the second hour from Ottawa, where there is a mob waiting for him. A mob that is uh, being cheered on by Ottawa city councillors, school trustees, teachers. The radical, often violent mob are calling their protest drown out hate. Hate. Who exactly are the haters here? Think about it. How much do you have to hate children to promote surgical mutilation, chemical castration? How much do you have to hate families to want to prevent parents from getting their children the help they need to deal with their underlying mental health issues? Oh, can't do that. That's called conversion therapy. The only hate and violence I'm seeing is from the radical trans activists and their unquestioning, uncurious supporters in the downstream media. And what does this whole trans agenda have to do with gays and lesbians anyway? How did gays and lesbians get lumped in with the trans movement? As we now know, about 60% of boys and girls who suffer from gender dysphoria grow up to be gay or lesbian. In other words, a boy who temporarily feels like he's in the wrong body, if left to his own devices, grows out of that feeling after puberty and then goes on to be a gay adult. Same with the girls. So what the trans movement is doing is erasing gays and lesbians, just as they are seeking to erase women. And gays and lesbians are increasingly waking up to this. They want no part of this new pride movement. And the progress pride flag. It doesn't represent them. They resent it. They recognize there is no LGBTQ community. What the trans agenda is doing is dangerous and unkind. Never let anyone tell you this is about kindness. This is the antithesis of kindness. The trans movement is not kind. It is mean. It is vengeful. It is anti-family. It is anti-gay. It is anti-lesbian. It is anti-woman. And they are not oppressed. They are powerful. All of the national flags were taken down in front of the UN in New York and replaced with the progress pride flag, again, which many gays and lesbians reject. The U.S. Air Force is flying the progress pride flag. Our crime minister removed the Canadian flag from his office block across from Parliament Hill and replaced our national flag with the progress pride flag. The trans movement has the power 
to get people silenced and fired and canceled and forced to make insincere public apologies. BlackRock, which controls trillions, tens of trillions of dollars of investor money, is using this money to force companies like Anheuser-Busch and Target to make really poor decisions that alienate their customer base and lose billions of dollars in market cap, all in the name of trans activism. So let me ask you, does the trans movement seem oppressed to you? Not to me. All right, coming up on the show today, your calls last half hour of hour two. So around 530, 289-275-9600, 289-275-9600, 289-275-9600, whatever you want to talk about. I mentioned Chris Elston, a.k.a. Billboard Chris. He'll be here hour two. What a remarkable man. Very courageous and righteous, who I hold in the highest regard. Coach Blade, author of Unsporting, will be here this hour as we stand up in defense of women. Women as in biological female adult humans. Frank Terrazano from the Canadian Taxpayers Federation is here. He's keeping an eye on our money. But first, an Edmonton teacher berates Muslim students for skipping pride events. And the Calgary City Council has amended its bylaws to restrict the distribution of pro-life material. Sheila Gunn-Reed from Rebel News is next. The Richard Serrett Show, up and running for Thursday, June the 8th, in the year of our Lord, 2023. Back to Nonverba. We're back as the Richard Serrett Show continues on News Talk, Saga 960 AM. All right, welcome back. So this uh, Edmonton teacher, we know the school. It's the Londonary School. I don't know if the teacher has been identified. I hope the teacher is identified for uh, berating a Muslim student uh, for not for choosing, expressing free will. Imagine that in this country, in this day and age, and choosing not to show up for a, uh, a pride event at school. And more Muslims uh, are keeping their kids home. More non-Muslims up in Ottawa uh, during the first several days of Pride Month. At um, two schools in Ottawa, 60% of parents kept their kids home at two schools. At nine other schools, 40% kept their kids home because they don't want them indoctrinated. Enough is enough. So we'll um, discuss this Edmonton teacher right now. Sheila Gunn-Reed is the Rebel News Alberta Bureau Chief and host of The Gun Show, heard and seen Wednesdays at 9 p.m. Eastern on rebelnews.com. Sheila, how are you? For having me on the show. My pleasure. My pleasure. Do we know the identity of this teacher yet? Not yet. Uh, it is at the Londonderry Junior High School. So these are junior high students. These are kids that, you know, maximum age 14 or 15, as young as age 12. And this teacher is berating these Muslim students for not attending uh, pride events at the school. Now, I'm interested to see how this shakes out, because it was not until 
the Muslim parents who are by and large socially conservative, just like me, just like their Christian friends. They were the one when they joined the fight against Ontario's comprehensive sex ed program. Only then did the politicians start listening. So I while I am bothered by by what I heard happen to those Muslim students for choosing to honor their faith above, I guess, the faith of that of their teachers and the progressives around them. I'm excited to see what happens next. I agree. Because because this might be the catalyst for change. So this um, conversation was caught uh, on microphone. Maybe, I don't know, it was a hot mic, they say, but whether one of the students surreptitiously recorded it, whoever did, I'm glad they did. Uh, The teacher, again, berating this Muslim student, says, you are out to lunch if you think it's acceptable not to show up because pride activities are going on at school. Uh, It goes two ways, said the teacher. If you want to be respected for who you are, if you don't want to suffer prejudice for your religion, your color of skin, your whatever, then you better give it back to people who are different than you. We believe in freedom, she said in one breath. We believe that people can marry whomever they want. And if you don't think you sh- that that should be the law, you can't be Canadian, she said in the same breath. We believe in freedom, but if you don't believe in what we believe in, you can't be Canadian. Uh, Obviously, an irony deficiency there with this teacher. Absolutely um, appalling behavior. It it sure is. And the thing is, if you are Canadian, you get to believe whatever you want, as long as you're not hurting somebody else. And you should not be a force to affirm somebody else's lifestyle or their political agenda, which is exactly what this teacher wanted. She gave them the old, why don't you go back to where you came from speech, Mm. which I'm normally reliably informed by the left is quite a bigoted statement to say to people, especially new Canadians. She basically said, if you want to live like this, why don't you go to Uganda? Why don't you go back to where you came from? You can't be Canadian unless you have a completely cohesive worldview of the progressives and the Justin Trudeau liberals. It's atrocious. We promise new Canadians that you can come here and flee tyranny and think whatever you want. And then we've got these teachers bullying kids for doing the right thing according to their own worldview. You know, I I would be happy to find out that my child saw something that was incompatible with her faith and did not participate. I'm, I'm happy to hear that as a parent. I would be off the rev limiter if I found out that a teacher treated my child that way. And I think these parents are probably going to raise a little bit of trouble with the school board. I, I hope so. I hope so. Uh, the Londonary principal, Ed Carp- Carpentier, is that his name? Um, yes. He reached out to parents with a conciliatory letter. Uh, is this enough for the parents? Are they demanding uh, the teacher be fired? What's going on? I hope it's not enough for the parents. (laughs) Honestly, I think it's time to claim a few heads on the other side of this debate. These people would be so quick to cancel any one of us for not agreeing with them. And they're so quick to paint anybody else who doesn't agree with them as racist, apropos of nothing. Well, welcome to the battleground you created. Let's see if you survive. Exactly. It's time to start canceling some of them. All right, uh, Sheila, stand by. When we come back, we'll talk about uh, Calgary City Council amending uh, their bylaw to restrict the distribution of pro-life material. Remember that? Freedom of speech, freedom of expression. Uh, Apparently, that's not welcome in Calgary. We'll uh, get to that with Sheila Gunn-Reed, Rebel News Alberta Bureau Chief, right after these. 
Let's get back at it on Newstalk Saga 960 AM. It's the Richard Serrett Show. Calgary City Council has approved a bylaw amendment which would allow uh, fines of up to $1,000 for those handing out pro-life material. Imagine that happening in Canada in 2023. Absolutely unbelievable what is happening in this country. Sheila Gunn-Reed is Alberta Bureau Chief for Rebel News, host of The Gun Show Wednesdays at 9 p.m. Uh, your thoughts, Sheila? Are you concerned about equality and fair treatment for African-Americans? Do you believe in a future where our communities are safe from both crime and over-policing? President Biden's administration is making major decisions, and we need your voice to be heard. The proposed ban on menthol cigarettes is in its final stages of approval, and black and brown law enforcement executives have said it could have dire unintended consequences for African-Americans. The clock is ticking. Call President Biden at 202-456-1414 and ask him to stop this proposed menthol rule. The ban on menthol could lead to an illicit market and increased crime in our communities. Call President Biden and demand that he halt the ban on menthol until there's a review of the investigative findings. Let's make sure that over-policing and racial profiling come to an end. Call President Biden at 202-456-1414. Tell him to stop targeting African-Americans with a menthol ban. Time is running out. This message is paid for by Alliance for Fair and Equitable Policy. Well, this is why municipal politics matter for people who believe in freedom and for fiscal conservatives, because you would think that Calgary is one of the more conservative places in this country, if not North America. However, its city council has been infested by progressives. It has a progressive mayor named Jody Gondick. I think there's maybe two real conservatives on all of city council there. And this this is really an extension of the anti-protest legislation that was passed earlier, which prevented um, protests about drag queen story hours at municipal buildings, libraries. And it's not just municipally owned, it's municipal affiliated buildings. So that could be extended to mean something that the city government has rented space in or, or has given a grant for. But the... New extension of this legislation, again, it's anti-protest legislation, it's free speech limiting legislation. It it prevents the distribution of graphic materials. Now, who decides what's graphic? Apparently, the city council. And if you're progressive, telling people the truth of what happens in abortion is graphic and troubling to them, however accurate it may be. But this is also the same city council that is happy to give money to drag queens to prance around in ladies sequined underpants and maybe as we saw in i don't know if you saw that social media uh image that sort of went viral if you haven't great i'm happy that you avoided it but there was a drag queen doing a high kick and his testicle fell out of his costume but that's not considered graphic in calgary just telling people the medical reality of abortion that's considered graphic and that could get you slapped with a thousand dollar fine Right. So they want any graphic images, let's say an aborted uh, baby. Mm -hmm. Uh, According to this amendment to the bylaw, the uh, the the image of an aborted baby must be hidden inside an opaque envelope Mm -hmm. with a warning written on the envelope about its contents. 
And then the envelope must also have the name and address of the person who is distributing that, uh, distributing that information. So what they can be apprehended, I suppose, and questioned by police. Right. Exactly. I mean, why do they need the name of the organization which gave you the medically accurate information? But they're treating, again, medically accurate information as though it's a cigarette package. It's got to be hidden behind the thing and then labeled with a warning label that you might be exposed to some truth. But nobody ever gets an an indecency ticket when they're half naked during Pride Parade. None of that ever happens. That's considered perfectly fine material to be shown on the streets of Calgary because free expression and because the mayor's okay with it. But if you are, you know, a socially conservative person in Calgary, every day you're navigating a minefield of potential fines just for expressing your views in the public square. I can't believe these uh, anti-protest bylaws and this bylaw restricting the distribution of pro-life material could possibly. Well, I have to say that with some reservation, given what's going on in this country. But is anyone giving, going to to challenge these in, uh, I don't know, the Alberta Supreme Court? Our friends at the Democracy Fund are taking these fines there, these protest fines. It's StopCensorshipFines.com. It started with people who were getting Uh, the fines for protesting at drag queen story hours and they will take these fines as well. And that's the only way that you can start to fight is to start to challenge the fine itself and then work your way up the supply chain uh, to find out if these things are constitutional or not. But who knows? We have such an activist court system here in Canada that you really don't know where they're going to come down on the side of free speech. That's so true. Um, our Supreme Court today just basically condemned a woman who needs life-saving organ, an organ donation. Uh, they condemned her to death yeah. uh, because she's refusing to take the uh, risky and ineffective COVID jab. They have condemned her to death, our Supreme Court. So you're right. We really can't count on them for much of anything. Sheila, how do we watch the gun show? Well, that's a great question, Richard. You can watch The Gun Show uh, early and ad-free behind our paywall at rebelnews.com. If you're not a subscriber, then just go to rebelnewsplus.com to join today. It's eight bucks a month, so the cost of a coffee a week. I think it's a heck of a bargain, but if you know you want to watch us with some ads to support the work that we do completely willingly, unlike what Justin Trudeau makes you do with the mainstream media, you can catch us on YouTube. Um, my show comes out a couple days after the Wednesday. We stick some ads in there, but you know what? Fast forward through them if you don't want to watch them, but you can watch us on YouTube anytime you like. All right, Sheila, you have a great rest of the week. Thank you. I will. You too, Richard. When we come back, Franco Terrazano from the Canadian Taxpayers Federation is keeping an eye on your money. Stay with us. The Richard Serrett Show continues right after these. You're listening to The Richard Serrett Show on Newstalk Saga, 960 AM. You'll forgive me if I don't think about monetary policy. The budget will balance itself. The fastest rising interest rates in 30 years. Fastest inflation in four decades. When will the government realize the Canadians are out of money and the party's over? Welcome back. The Bank of Canada has raised its key interest rate to 4.75%, four and three quarters percent, the highest level in 22 years. And that's going to be uh, mean more pain for uh, variable rate mortgage holders and uh, 
There's probably more hikes to come. Franco Terrazano is the federal director of the Canadian Taxpayers Federation, and he joins us every Thursday at this time, keeping an eye on our money. Franco, welcome back. How are you? I'm great. Thanks for having me on today. So they're trying to tame inflation. That's, you know, that's really one of the only tools the Bank of Canada has in terms of fiscal policy. Of course, the government could simply, you know, stop inflating the money supply. That's what inflation means. Um, and uh, I guess inflation is around, well, officially it's around four and a half percent. We know it's much higher. Um just your, your thoughts on this interest rate, this key interest rate hike, what it's going to mean uh, for not only variable rate mortgage holders, but for the rest of us. Yeah, well, look, it's going to mean a lot of pain, I think, for a lot of Canadians. Uh, we've already mentioned the mortgage payments that will be going up if you're on a variable rate. I know a lot of Canadians right now are really worried about that. Uh, but it's also going to mean higher interest rates throughout the economy, whether that's other types of consumer debt, whether that's uh, higher interest rates for businesses who might be taking out loans. And that's also a big thing for the macro economy too, right? Because think about how many businesses, capital intensive businesses probably started to invest to buy longer term capital uh, because interest rates were low. Now, if, if interest rates go up, well, are they still going to be profitable? So this could be bad news for the economy. But Richard, at the end of the day, if you're paying higher interest rates, if you're feeling the pain of this, it's because... The government spent like crazy. It had its printing press on overdrive and it raised taxes, which raised inflation. Right. So the government caused inflation. And now the Bank of Canada is trying to tame inflation with interest rate hikes. So it's remember that we have to keep the blame on the politicians in Ottawa and on the central bankers that caused the inflation in the first place. Exactly. Uh, They try and couch inflation in terms of consumer demand. That's not what's behind this. Uh, It it is the I mean, inflation is about the inflation of the money supply. Correct. Correct. Absolutely correct. In fact, in economics, not to be too wonky, but inflation used to be just the expansion of the monetary supply. That's what economists used to talk about when they talked about inflation, expanding the money supply. Now, here's the thing, right? Uh, We see shortages or supply constraints all the time. All throughout a modern economy, you see supply constraints. What you don't see is massive inflation like we saw over the last couple of years with supply shortages. Now, what was different over the last couple of years? The fact that you had the central bank financing Ottawa's deficits. Okay, so the, the Bank of Canada during the pandemic from about March 2020 uh, to about March 2022 printed about $370 billion right out of thin air. And then to make matters worse, this $370 billion of freshly printed cash was dumped into an economy that had been largely locked down for two years. So what happens when you create all this new cash and drop it into a lockdown economy? You get the perfect storm for inflation, which is too many dollars chasing too few goods. Now, of course, these politicians and central bankers are trying to pretend like it's everything else because they don't want to be blamed. But it's always, it's always a money supply thing. It always has been, and it always will. Right. And it's easy to inflate the money supply and create inflation, uh, but it's far more difficult to contain it because even the Bank of Canada has admitted, you know, I mean, this is the one thing that the bank can do and that's restrict the money supply, monetary policy. But that they've admitted that's not sufficiently restrictive 
uh, you know, to lower inflation back to that 2% target. That's going to be dependent on the government. Stop spending. Yeah, I mean, I mean, here's the thing, right? The only way to avoid the type of inflation that we're feeling right now, because remember, even when you, you hear about uh, lower inflation, that's still an increase. And it's an increase on top of last year's inflation, which was sky high. So the only way to deal with these high prices is to just not inflate the money supply in the first place. Right. That's how you do it. Um, but look, I, I, the central bank obviously failed to do its one job to keep inflation low, um, even though even though it failed to do its one job, it still turned around and gave its central bankers forty five million dollars in bonuses and pay raises. Don't get me started there. Uh, but look, now it seems like the government and the central bank are working at cross purposes from each other. Right. Because the central bank is trying to uh, reduce inflation. But then you got. Uh, Freeland and Trudeau still spending like crazy. No idea when they'll ever balance the budget. We just got a budget 2023 released by Freeland. She she was saying there was going to be savings, uh, but they're increasing spending by another $85 billion on top of the massive amount of spending they did during the pandemic. By the way, folks, the parliamentary budget officer showed that of all the new spending either spent or announced since the pandemic, $200 $200 billion of it had nothing to do with the pandemic at all. Right. Right. All that money, we have nothing to show for it. Do we have a new, a new Trans-Canada Highway? No. Do we have new massive infrastructure projects? No. We have nothing to show for their profligate spending. And it's only getting better, folks, because in uh, just about a month's time, July 12th, uh, the Bank of Canada will make a decision on whether to hike the rate again. Franco Terrazano is the federal director of the Canadian Taxpayers Federation. Franco, thanks for your time. Hey, thanks for having me on again. My pleasure. All right. When we come back in defense of women, Coach Blade will be here. Stay with us. Back to the conversation on The Richard Serrett Show. News Talk, Saga, 960 AM. Welcome back. At this time every week, we stand up in defense of biological female adult humans, women, in other words, and a uh, Canadian female powerlifter, April Hutchinson, uh, is tired, sick and tired of being continually bullied by her sports association. So she's uh, reached out to the world governing body in her sport, hoping they can convince the Canadian powerlifting union to do the right thing. Linda Blade, Coach Blade, is a mother, leader, role model, and champion of women's sport, a member of COSBAR and co-author of Unsporting, How Trans Activism and Science Denial Are Destroying Sports. Coach Blade, welcome back. How are you? Thank you, Richard. I'm doing well. How are you? I'm very well. So uh, April Hutchinson, um, She's um, one of our power, our female powerlifters. What has been happening in her sport here in Canada? Well, for the past few years, uh, there have been male athletes competing in the female powerlifting. And um, 
this goes against their international governing bodies rules in terms of the, you know, internationally males have to declare themselves. They have to go through a lengthy process of hormone reduction and all this and, and definitely making it a little bit difficult. But in Canada, a male can come in on any given day and just compete and in and out as he pleases. So, um, April has been dealing with this privately and under a lot of anxiety for years and just decided to speak out this year. And now she's been under repeated disciplinary inquiries by her Canadian powerlifting union. She's under a disciplinary uh, action because what she's complaining that she's because she spoke out because she's gone to like on Twitter and on, you know, various shows, including Tucker Carlson, just basically explaining that the CPU policy just hasn't been fair and uh, seeking fairness. And just what she's asking for is something really simple. Would the Canadian powerlifting union that her association simply align with their international leadership to have the same policy so that it, it makes it very much more difficult for a male athlete to come into the female sport. Right. So the international powerlifting federation, they will allow, Mm -hmm. They will allow males in the female category, but they have to declare their gender identity in advance. They have to demonstrate their testosterone is equal or below a certain level, at least 12 months prior to. Yeah. Um, what else do they have to do in the International Powerlifting Federation? Well, and they have to keep monitoring it. So they have to keep, you know, and of course, we would argue on the Cosbar side and the Canadian, all of the women in sport would say this shouldn't be allowed at all. But yes. Agreed. To have a highly restricted um, thing going on internationally, yet in Canada, it can it's wide open, doesn't seem right to her. And, you know, this is all the first step has to be alignment with the international group. And then maybe, you know, the women internationally can work with the powerlifting internationally to get it to be even you know more restrictive. But it has to be somehow aligned. And if it's not aligned, why would you punish a Canadian athlete for just pointing that out? Well, I mean, we see so much of this now. People being punished for speaking their minds, whether it's Anthony Bass with the Toronto Blue Jays, who was forced mm-hmm. to make uh, you know a, a public apology. I call it a hostage confession uh, because mm-hmm. you know an event was not squaring with his religious faith. Or whether it's a, an athlete like April Hutchison, simply speaking out publicly about something that she feels strongly about and then being disciplined for express, for, you know, freedom of expression is, is outrageous that that is happening in this country. It's true. And it's it's because the laws have been muddled and sex based rights, according to our charter, uh, are in, qu- in question, and we're asserting that they are not. The The Charter of Rights and Freedoms still maintains that you cannot discriminate against women and girls on the basis of sex, and that's still in there, and we are simply trying to assert our charter rights. So as it stands right now in the Canadian Powerlifting Union, uh, a man, a male athlete, can just yeah. show up at an event yeah. And not to, he doesn't even have to declare. No, not really. He's just, a man. He just and and doesn't just, have to just say you're a woman, right? Just doesn't say you're a woman. Doesn't have to go undergo any monitoring in terms of testosterone levels. Uh, you can't ask about his history. You can't ask about anything. Not zero. Disclose anything, and and uh, so basically, there is no women's powerlifting elite um, um, event anymore. There's no well. 
<laughs> they have them, but that's highly tainted, obviously. And and the women want to be in the sport, but they do want to be competing in a fair sport. And that's simply how can it be any more simple of a, a request than that, Richard? And yet to be slammed and constantly pursued and threatened by your association for saying such a thing publicly is insane. So if the International Powerlifting Federation uh, picks up the phone, calls who's ever running the Canadian Powerlifting Union and, and tells, listen, you, you're not in line with our our regulations. If you don't comply, I mean, could, could they conceivably do that? Kick out the, the yeah. CPU if they don't comply? Yes, they can kick them out. And they did kick out even USA Powerlifting for a while for uh, not doing the drug testing right. So we're saying eventually maybe just you have to tell the CPU you're not in compliance. So either you get into compliance or you get kicked out. Hmm. All right. Well, we'll watch this one with interest. Are you concerned about equality and fair treatment for African-Americans? Do you believe in a future where our communities are safe from both crime and over-policing? President Biden's administration is making major decisions, and we need your voice to be heard. The proposed ban on menthol cigarettes is in its final stages of approval, and black and brown law enforcement executives have said it could have dire unintended consequences for African-Americans. The clock is ticking. Call President Biden at 202-456-1414 and ask him to stop this proposed menthol rule. The ban on menthol could lead to an illicit market and increased crime in our communities. Call President Biden and demand that he halt the ban on menthol until there's a review of the investigative findings. Let's make sure that over-policing and racial profiling come to an end. Call President Biden at 202-456-1414. Tell him to stop targeting African-Americans with a menthol ban. Time is running out. This message is paid for by Alliance for Fair and Equitable Policy. Coach Blade is uh, the co-author of Unsporting, How Trans Activists and Science Denial Are Destroying Sports. Thanks, Coach. Thank you, Richard. All right, hour two coming up. Billboard Chris, Chris Elston will be here. He's up in Ottawa. And uh, I'm worried. I'm worried about the the angry mob there that... uh, are claiming their protest is called Drown Out Hate, Defend Trans Kids. They are the hate, not peaceable Chris Elston. We'll also speak with um, John Carpe from the Justice Center for Constitutional Freedoms. They are have been representing Annette Lewis. This is the woman who needs a life-saving organ transplant. The Supreme Court of Canada today callously announced they're not interested in hearing her case, so they have basically condemned her to death. That's nice. Really nice. That's a good look on the Supreme Court of Canada. Uh, And also, our good friend Elie Canten-Nantel from True North will be here to talk about racially segregated graduation ceremonies taking place at top universities across the country. Also, not a good look. Welcome to Canada in 2023. Hour two coming your way in mere moments. Stay with us. The views expressed in the following program are those of the participants and do not necessarily reflect the views of Saga 960 AM or its management. Seeking truth and justice in a battleground of deception and corruption. This is The Richard Serrett Show. I want all of you to get up out of your chairs. I want you to get up right now and go to the window, open it, stick your head out and yell, I'm as bad as hell and I'm not going to take this anymore. We must not allow- 
Welcome to Hour 2 of The Richard Serrett Show. If you missed Hour 1, shame on you. But don't beat yourself up too much. Still, lots of great programming coming your way this hour, including our good friend from True North, Ellie Conten-Nantel, who does a terrific uh, series, is doing a terrific series for True North called Campus Watch, reporting on... uh, the horrible instances of wokeism that's rampant on our college and university campuses. Racially segregated graduation ceremonies. Racially segregated graduation ceremonies are taking place at top Canadian universities. That is a sad commentary. Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. is weeping somewhere. This is not what he had hoped for. This is not what he dreamed about. It is the antithesis of what Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. was all about. Um, The Supreme Court of Canada basically condemned um, an unvaccinated woman to death today. She wanted um, or she needs, desperately needs an organ donation, a life-saving organ donation. She can't have it according to this clinic in Alberta, because she refused the COVID jab. She took her battle all the way to the Supreme Court. They're not interested in hearing about it. They won't even hear the argument. So they've condemned her to death. All right. Oh, one final thing, just a reminder, in case you missed it earlier, just a reminder to all the global bedwetters, arson is not climate change. Let me repeat, arson is not climate change. All right, that ends my public service announcement. So, Chris Elston, Billboard Chris, is uh, up in Ottawa. And uh, he's going to be met by a, a mob, no doubt. A mob of unkind. They like to portray themselves as, oh, we stand for kindness. They are the antithesis of kindness. They... um They're calling their protest, Drown Out Hate, Defend Trans Kids. But Billboard Chris will be standing there with his sandwich board, peaceably, willing to engage in conversation with anyone. Uh, And he will be verbally assaulted, hopefully not physically assaulted, but I'm sure he's anticipating that as well. Chris Elston joins us from Ottawa. Hey, Chris, how are you? Hey, Richard, I'm doing fantastic. I heard you talking about the racial segregation of graduations. This is nothing new. I was at USC last year hanging out on campus, and they were doing the same thing down there. They had a black graduation, a queer graduation, whatever that means. They had a separate graduation for Asian people. It's just just totally disgusting. Uh, It is. It's, It's disgusting, but it's also, it's just very sad. It's very sad. Uh, that this is where we are in 2023, you know, race relations were actually are, are pretty good 
Um, anyway, I don't, I don't want to get off on a, on a, on a tangent. Yeah. Um, but, but, you know, to, to quote the great Thomas Sowell, racism isn't dead, but it is on life support and it's being kept alive by race traders. Uh, all right. So up in Ottawa, what are you hoping to accomplish up there? Well, to be honest, I've already accomplished tenfold what I was hoping to accomplish, which is to start a lot of conversations. That's always my goal. I have conversations and I start conversations. So I wanted to start a few million conversations that has for sure been done or will be done by the time this is done because all of the major media are coming out. The Globe and Mail wrote a ridiculous piece today about it, but all the mainstream media are coming out. All of the truth telling Canadian outlets are also coming tomorrow. I've got people coming up from the States. People are flying in from all over Canada. This is going to be a big deal. And the counter protesters are doing me a great service because without them, this would just be a small thing that not a lot of people would pay attention to, but they always do exactly what I want, which is great. Right. So, for example, the Ottawa City Council, they've been tweeting out, let's, you know, obviously they're they are not being, uh, this is not a friendly uh, welcome party. They're saying, let's give Billboard Chris, a, you know, a big welcome. In other words, you know, let, let's encourage the mob to show up and get in Chris's face. City Council is doing it. The school board is doing it. The media is doing it. Um, are you at all concerned for your personal safety in the back of my mind there's always a knowledge that i need to be alert i mean obviously i've been assaulted many times dozens of times i've had my arm broken i've been arrested twice after getting assaulted as well but i've been in touch with the ottawa police and at least the police officer i've spoken to is great they're going to try or they say they're going to try to keep the two groups separate which is what i would love i want nothing to do with the counter protesters keep them on one side of the street keep us on the other side and then everyone gets to exercise their rights. But this mob doesn't want that. They want to surround me. They want to mob me. They want to drown me out. They want to make me impossible to be seen. And last time I was here doing this on the same street back in October 2021, I was mobbed by 200 counter-protesters. I was punched twice in the head, spat on, painted on, had my signs destroyed. And my rental car was keyed. Today or tomorrow, there's going to be a lot more than 200. I've seen some estimates of as many as 3,000 counter-protesters. I don't expect that many, but I wouldn't be surprised if there are 1,000 because the school, the high school, Broadview, has sent an email to all parents warning them about me. Jeff Leeper, the city councillor, said that they sent letters to all of the residences in the area to alert them about this terrible bigot from British Columbia who has this body-positive message. My message is that children are beautiful just as they are. No hmm. drugs or scalpels needed. And there's no right way to be a boy or a girl. And we shouldn't be sterilizing and mutilating children. This is not controversial. More than 90% of the population agrees with me. But for these radicals, which is what these people are, these are extremists. Any conversation is a threat to them because they know as soon as we talk about this, the entire ideology falls to pieces and they can't defend it. Yes. Um, do you think that more gays, more lesbians are waking up to the... Um, knowledge that what this is about in in large measure is about erasing gays and lesbians? Absolutely. So there's there are a few different groups. Gays Against Groomers is one. There's another one called LGB Alliance. And they want to be separated from this TQ plus 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 business because it's got nothing to do with them. LGB is about attraction. He is about a denial of reality. 
the cue is about an attack on the family and just making everything deviant normalized. But honestly, transgender ideology is an attack on the gay community because if you look at all the studies that have ever been done into gender dysphoria, most of these kids just grew out of it when they went through puberty. Puberty itself was the cure. Now we block the cure with puberty blockers, these experimental drugs that are actually cancer drugs that are being used off-label because they happen to stop puberty in children. But most of these kids grew out of it, and the majority, historically, grew up to be gay. Mm-hmm. And yeah, it's, it's about mostly, 60%, you know, more, I think. It's about 60%. Yeah, about that. There's 12 different studies, and that's about the number across the board. And most of these kids were boys. This usually affected boys. Now it's affecting girls way more than boys. And it's not the case where these kids always felt discomfort with their body. It's as they get into adolescence. Well, guess what? Puberty is a tough time for girls. They're getting sexualized. Their bodies are changing. I think it's tougher than ever today with social media. But it's not a surprise that if you give these kids an escape route and you tell them that just because they don't conform to societal standards, Texas regressive standards of how it is to be a boy or girl, if you don't conform to these stereotypes, oh, you must be trans. But it's not just kids who are going to grow up to be gay. Today, this has exploded. A ton of these kids, more than half, are on the autism spectrum. Yeah. And when you look at who these kids are that show up at these gender clinics, and this isn't me saying this, these are the experts who work at these gender clinics, like Jamie Reed, a whistleblower from the Washington University Transgender Clinic in St. Louis. All of these kids have other mental health comorbidities going on. There's depression, there's anxiety, there's trauma, there's abuse. Sexual abuse is very common. Parents are 10 times as likely to have been sex offenders. And obviously, if a girl has been sexually abused, she's not loving being a girl right now. And if you tell her she can just be a boy, well, some of them are going to take you up on that because they want to escape what is for them the greatest source of trauma in their life. They're getting sexually abused because they're girls. So obviously, some are going to try to escape that. But instead of having conversations about this, instead of doctors looking into what's going on with this individual child on an individualized basis. They just treat gender as though it's the underlying cause of everything. And first appointment, puberty blockers. It's totally insane. It is. It's beyond, beyond insane. Chris Elson, a.k.a. Billboard Chris, on the line up in Ottawa, billboardchris.com, billboardchris.com. He's dedicated his life to this cause and um, can use your help and your support, billboardchris.com. We'll take a quick time out, come uh, come back and continue to uh, discuss the – well, the anti-protesters are gathering up in Ottawa. They call themselves uh, or their their movement Drown Out Hate Defend Trans Kids. And my fear is they could get violent. They could get violent as they have a want to do. Uh, back to uh, more of our conversation right after these. Welcome back to the Richard Serrett Show on News Talk Saga 960 AM. Welcome back. Chris Elston is with us. My nominee for the Order of Canada, Billboard Chris, up in Ottawa, standing up for our children who uh, go through difficult times when they're uh, going through puberty. It's an awkward time. Sometimes they don't feel comfortable in their own body. It's perfectly uh, acceptable not to feel comfortable in your body all the time. But the answer is not chemical castration and surgical mutilation. Let's be clear about that. There's nothing kind about that. That's all he's doing. He's standing up for our children. And uh, he's going to be met with uh, some resistance up in Ottawa tomorrow. The, The mob is gathering, being encouraged by Ottawa City Council, 
Ottawa School Board, the media. And so now there's a, a group claiming that we're going to drown out hate and defend trans kids. And let's pray that it doesn't get violent. And now you've got a message also, Chris, I know for the people that want to come and support you. And some of them uh, can get a little, let's say, um, overly enthusiastic. Uh, what do you have to say to the people that want to come and support you in terms of the signage that they should have and, and so forth? Yeah, this has really been my only worry uh, because this is already a complete utter success, as I said. And the only thing that can derail that is if people on my side of this act aggressively. So I don't want any yelling. I don't want any violence. The person who we all need to try to emulate is Gandhi, who had a completely nonviolent approach. And if he was assaulted, he just took it. And that's what I've decided to do as well. I get assaulted all the time and I just take it. And there's nothing more powerful visually to the rest of the world than to see these people who want to harm kids acting as they will be like enraged lunatics and to see us all just completely calm and acting like the adults in the room, which we are. But I know when there's a big protest that some people can't really control their emotions. So if you're one of those people who can't control your emotions and you want to yell back and you want to fight back, honestly, you're not welcome because that's the last thing we need at this protest. People need to be able to keep a cool head no matter what happens. And if they need to walk away, just walk away. All right. Um, you just but I have a lot of signs. We don't really need other signs. Right. And I, did you lose me for a second? No, no, I got you. I got you. Sorry. Um, so, yeah, you got a lot of signs. You don't want other people bringing signs that may not have the same, the message that is in line with what you're trying to do. Yeah, if, if the message is in line, fine. Maybe people can message me first. But I just want to keep the message very focused. We don't need a whole bunch of signs. Just having us there, a, a show of people standing up for these kids, that's already powerful enough. So I have a lot of signs, and I just need people to be 100% peaceful. 100% peaceful. Absolutely. All right. Well, uh, Chris, I'll be thinking about you tomorrow, praying for you. Um, and um, I hope things don't get violent. Just uh, stay safe and keep doing what you're doing. Thank you so much, Richard. I appreciate you having me on. Have a great one. You too. Chris Elston, Billboard Chris, BillboardChris.com, BillboardChris.com, if you'd like to support him. He could use your help. He's given up everything to um, travel the world now with his his sandwich board sign that have very simple, peaceful messages. Children cannot consent to puberty blockers. Children are beautiful just as they are. How could you possibly infer that there's anything hateful about that? All right, when we come back, opening up the phone lines, 289-275-9600, 289-275-9600. And uh, that, just ahead of John Carpe, he'll be here a little bit later this hour, founder and president of the Justice Center for Constitutional Freedoms, one of their um, their clients, Annette Lew- uh, Lewis, uh, needs a organ transplant, a life-saving organ transplant procedure, and she's been denied that because she won't take the COVID jab. She's taken it all the way to the Supreme Court. The Supreme Court said today, we're not interested in hearing the case. They've condemned her to death, essentially. We'll get John Carpe's thoughts on that. Ellie Conten, or sorry, Ellie um, 
Tantan Nantel uh, from True North will be here. And uh, we'll talk about racially segregated graduation ceremonies taking part or taking place at uh, top Canadian universities. Very sad. Very sad indeed. Back with your calls, hopefully, when the Richard Serrett Show continues right after these. The Bull Session continues on the Richard Serrett Show. News Talk, Saga, 960 AM. 289 289-275-9600. I've carved out a little time just for you to call in and uh, have a conversation with me about uh, just about anything. 289-275-9600. Uh, perhaps you may want to uh, weigh in on the Supreme Court of Canada announcing they will not hear uh, an unvaccinated woman's case for an or- or- organ donation. How do you feel about our ju- judicial system now? 289-275-9600. 289-275-9600. How about that teacher in Edmonton? Caught on a hot microphone, or more likely it was recorded surreptitiously by one of the students, berating Muslim students uh, who did not show up at uh, school for a pride event at Londonary, uh, I guess, middle school at middle school, junior high school in Edmonton. Basically telling him if you, if you don't show up at a pride event and celebrate, you don't belong in this country. You should go back to where you come from. Ah, there's the tolerance of the left. In full splendor. 289-275-9600. I mentioned the uh, Supreme Court of Canada basically condemning a woman to death today by refusing to hear her case and overturning this decision by this uh, clinic in Alberta, which will not give, him her, give her a life-saving procedure, a life-saving surgery, an organ donation, or an organ, um, yeah, organ donation. They will not do that for her because she refused the, uh, the COVID jab. Are you concerned about equality and fair treatment for African-Americans? Do you believe in a future where our communities are safe from both crime and over-policing? President Biden's administration is making major decisions, and we need your voice to be heard. The proposed ban on menthol cigarettes is in its final stages of approval, and black and brown law enforcement executives have said it could have dire unintended consequences for African-Americans. The clock is ticking. Call President Biden at 202-456-1414 and ask him to stop this proposed menthol rule. The ban on menthol could lead to an illicit market and increased crime in our communities. Call President Biden and demand that he halt the ban on menthol until there's a review of the investigative findings. Let's make sure that over-policing and racial profiling come to an end. Call President Biden at 202-456-1414. Tell him to stop targeting African-Americans with a menthol ban. Time is running out. This message is paid for by Alliance for Fair and Equitable Policy. Whatever happened to first do no harm? That's out the window. The Hippocratic Oath. The uh, FDA in the U.S. has pulled the um, J&J shot. Johnson & Johnson COVID shot. According to a report in the Daily Mail, there are about 19 million Americans who took the J&J shot. But uh, one of the complications is apparently triggered a condition involving blood clots. That's why they call it the clot shot. 
So the FDA has canceled permission for the shots to be used. The parent company, Janssen, had asked for the move following revelations that the last run of doses, more than 12 million, had expired. Estimates are that uh, some 231 million Americans were subjected, often on governmental or corporate mandates, to a shot from one of the three production companies. Now, of course, the, uh, the value of all of them has been questioned. One study revealed the more shots and boosters patients took, the more likely they were to come down with COVID. And uh, J&J's decision appears to indicate that it's stepping away from the COVID vaccination market entirely. The report noted uh, Peter Marks of the FDA's Center for Biologics Evaluation and Research announced because FDA understands that Janssen Biotech, Inc., in other words, the parent company of Johnson & Johnson, has requested that FDA withdraw the emergency use authorization for the Janssen COVID-19 vaccine. FDA has determined that it is appropriate to protect the public health or safety to revoke this authorization. Johnson and Johnson's product was dispatched for use on Americans in Feb 2021, well after mRNA shots by other the other two companies had been available. It then took only a month from the time the emergency authorization was granted that the shots were mired in a surging number of severe blood clotting problems. Doctors identified those as thrombosis and thrombo. Cytopenia syndrome that involves blood clots complicated by a severely low platelet count that prevents the body from stopping to bleeding. The FDA and Centers for Disease Control earlier mandated a pause on the use of the shots. They later claimed it was safe and effective. There you go. It's all coming out. It's all coming out. Uh, this is a bit of a shocker. A, uh, a new poll from Gallup. In its latest values and beliefs survey reveals, shockingly, I suppose, but delightfully, Americans have turned back to conservatism with a vengeance on social policies and the economy. Uh, Gallup said uh, for most of the past eight years, Americans were about as likely to say they were liberal as conservative on social issues. This year, there is a more obvious conservative advantage. The shift is mostly due to increasing social conservatism among Republicans at a time when social issues such as transgender rights, abortion and other hot button concerns are prominent in the national public debate. When asked to describe their political views overall without reference to social or economic issues, 40 percent say they have conservative views, 31 percent moderate, just 26 percent liberal, according to the pollster. 38% of respondents are conservative on social issues, up from 33% last year. And 44% are economically conservative, both the highest number since back in 2012. Those identifying as liberal plunged from 34 to 29% over the last year. Thanks, Joe Biden. Thanks, wackadoodle, cackling hyena, Kamala Harris. The pollster said the survey comes at a time when many states are considering policies regarding transgender matters, abortion, crime, drug use, and the teaching of gender and sexuality in schools. Gallup said the increase in conservative identification on social issues over the past two years is seen nearly among nearly all political and demographic subgroups. 
Republicans show one of the largest increases from 60 percent in 2021 to 74 percent today. Independents show a modest uptick of five percentage points from 24 to 29 percent. Well, there's been no change among Democrats. Since 2021, there have been double digit increases in conservative social ideology among middle aged adults, those between the ages of 36 and 64. Great news. Great news. All right. When we come back, John Carpe, founder, president of the Justice Center for Constitutional Freedom. We'll talk about the uh, Supreme Court of Canada announcement today. Basically condemning a uh, woman who needs life-saving surgery. She needs an organ transplant desperately. And she's being refused because she won't take the COVID jab. That's next. Stay with us. Just having a little chin wag on the Richard Serrett Show. News Talk, Saga, 960 AM. Welcome back. Well, the Supreme Court of Canada announced it will not hear the appeal of an Alberta woman who was unwilling to be jabbed with the COVID jab in order to get a life-saving organ transplant. Annette Lewis was diagnosed with a terminal disease back in 2018. She was told she would not survive unless she received an organ transplant. So she was placed on a transplant wait list in 2020 but was informed in 2021 she would need to get the COVID-19 jab to receive an organ. That's called coercion. She, um, Lewis, said taking the vaccine would offend her conscience, and she argued the requirement violated her charter rights to life, conscious, conscience, rather, liberty and security of the person. So the case was dismissed by the uh, Alberta court, which said the charter has no application to clinical treatment decisions. I don't understand that. The Alberta Court of Appeal upheld that decision. So Annette Lewis appealed all the way to the Supreme Court of Canada. They won't even hear the case. Basically, they've condemned her to death. John Carpe is founder and president of the Justice Center for Constitutional Freedom. John, welcome. How are you? I'm well, thank you. Don't know what was going on with the technical. I could not unmute myself, but... uh... Glad to be on your show, but very sad about what's going on with this case. Um, it's become even more shocking in that uh, in April, it was confirmed that Sheila Annette Lewis has natural immunity to COVID, uh, which further reduces any kind of a medical or scientific need for taking the vaccine. She's had COVID twice. Uh, she's had it about two years ago, and then she had it again more recently. So when the doctors say, well, you got to get this vaccine to protect yourself because after we do the the organ transplant surgery you know we don't want you to die of covid so therefore you need the vaccine well she's had covid twice and the doctors know that and uh what's going on now is just a repudiation of of science and medicine so uh i said in my introduction that um to my mind the supreme court has condemned her to death is am i engaging in hyperbole or is that accurate to say it's the third court after the Alberta Court of King's Bench and the uh, Alberta Court of Appeal. The Supreme Court of Canada is less surprising because they don't look necessarily at the individual 
person and situation. They look at whether or not there is an important legal issue that is of national importance. And so the Supreme Court refuses to hear 80, 90 percent of the cases brought to it. So that's, you know, almost normal. Uh, but it's very puzzling at, at the at the lower level courts. The uh, physicians are arguing that this is not a policy to deny life-saving organ transplant uh, surgeries to to um, uh, to people that have not had the vaccine. They're trying to argue that it's individual physician discretion, therefore, is not a government policy, and so. Um, uh, the, the, law, the those physicians are now being sued individually uh, by a different lawyer. And it'll be interesting to see what they say then, because then they can't say it's a government policy that's forcing them. So a court will not weigh in on this because it's not government policy. I don't I, I don't understand that, John. Um, if if you're being denied your basic fundamental rights. And governments are paid or sorry, doctors are paid by the government. They are employees. They're public servants. How could that not be of paramount importance in terms of this type of case to the either the Supreme Court or the Alberta Court of Appeal or whatever? Well, there's a difference between a if you have a government policy. I mean, for example, there's a court case 20 years ago where the B.C. government did not pay for sign language interpreters for deaf people seeing a doctor and that eventually the Supreme Court ruled that that government policy was in violation of the charter and the government had to pay for sign language interpreters. That was not an individual physician decision. It was a government policy. Hmm. What we are seeing here, clearly, it's it's a government policy to deny life-saving organ tra- and, and Sheila Annette Lewis will die without that surgery. There's no doubt about that. So what we're seeing here is a government policy. Unfortunately, the lower courts have accepted the doctor's argument that, no, 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 there's no government policy to be seen here. This is just individual discretion of a physician, in which case the charter would not apply, you know, if your doctor says that, you know, you should or should not get a particular medication. If that's an individual physician clinical assessment, then the charter does not apply to that. So what's the next? Well, is there a next step at this point? The Supreme Court isn't going to hear it. What else is there left to do for poor Ms. Lewis? We can potentially and we are in discussions. uh, The lawyers are in discussions with Sheila Annette Lewis uh, because of this change in circumstance that we now have conclusive proof that she's had COVID twice. So if she does get her organ transplant, uh, it's not an issue that, that you know, she's going to die of COVID. She's had it twice. She's got the natural immunity. So because of the different fact scenario, uh, there potentially we can take that back to court now. And that that's being considered. Well, I, I pray that uh, they will consider it and uh, rule in her favor. This is absolutely unconscionable that this is happening in this country. John Carpe, founder and president of the Justice Center for Constitutional Freedom. John, thank you so much for your time. Thanks for having me on your show. My pleasure. Racially segregated graduation ceremonies taking place across Canada at some of our top universities. How sad. Ellie Cantan-Nantel from True North is next. Let's rejoin the conversation on The Richard Serrett Show on Newstalk Saga 960 AM. Uh, once again, Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. is 
somewhere crying, weeping, shaking his head in despair at what is happening across this country at our so-called institutions of higher learning. The University of Toronto, for shame. McMaster University, for shame. Ryerson, I will not call it by Toronto Metropolitan Union. No, it's Ryerson. He was a great man. For shame. Ceremonies, graduation ceremonies for self-identified black students, graduating students. It's been going on at the U of T for some time, uh, about six years. What a disgrace. Ellie Cantan Nantel is with True North, Ottawa-based journalist, and uh, continues this fine series called Campus Watch, and he joins us now. Hey, Ellie, how are you? I'm great. How are you? Terrific. Thank you. Um, so there's no sign of this, of this, uh, this trend, this sickening trend of racially segregated graduation ceremonies. In fact, if anything, it's, it seems to be picking up steam. Is that fair? Yes, it is fair to say, Richard, as more and more institutions have embraced the uh, equity, diversity, and inclusion agenda, which uh, if your viewers aren't, aren't aware of, is not actually an agenda to bring uh, make schools fair, equal, and inclusive, which is something I think everybody supports, but it rather is a, a, a an agenda rooted in critical race theory uh, that seeks to uh, continue rebuild uh, schools uh, with merit out the window and with, with equity or with, which is not equality of opportunity, but equality of outcome, replacing it and with race quotas and gender quotas. Uh, and this charter calls for the building of, of, of black spaces, accessible affirmative spaces. Uh, for, and yeah, so amid all of this and amid the, the, the wokenization of institutions, we see uh, these universities embrace in these ceremonies, uh, which started in the U.S. and like everything else, uh, was in, it comes to Canada slowly, started with UFT in 2017, and now we're at over eight. And those are just the top universities uh, in Canada. And eight of them uh, are, are either hosting it themselves or promoting ceremonies hosted by university groups that are uh, basically segregated. And um, I'm under, reading your story here, here, Ali, if I'm to understand, in some of these uh, Black-only graduated graduation ceremonies, they don't even play the Canadian national anthem. They play the quote-unquote black national anthem. Yes, exactly. Um, as you see, there's a lot, again, of importation of, of Americanism. Uh, American black history is very different from Canadian black history. Uh, slavery was abolished in Canada before Confederation. Uh, you would, the U.S. has a much darker history with slavery and with, uh, with segregation and Jim Crow laws. But oftentimes, uh, BLM activists try to make it seem as if Canada has the same racism problems as the United States, which is not possible because we did not have the slavery and segregation that the U.S. had. It's not possible for a society that has been decades ahead in terms of equality and progress to deal with the same issues. Uh, but yeah, so um, this... This continues to happen, and that's okay. No, that's all right. Any, um, um, I mean, why stop here? I guess would be my next question, Ellie. Why stop here? Why not have racially segregated classes? Why not have racially segregated universities? Uh, why not have? Let's go back to the 1950s uh, in the United States. 
and, and Jim Crow. Let's bring Jim Crow to Canada. Uh, I guess you would call it a reverse Jim Crow, uh, Jim Crow laws, racially segregated uh, school buses. Why not? I mean, this is where they seem to be heading. Well, well, Richard, uh, throughout, throughout my my time in covering this, I found uh, there's also racial segregated summer camps that universities are hosting now, and there will be a story coming out on that later. Uh, in the U.S., there's now residences that are racially segregated, and, and the argument uh, is that black people need to be protected from the white gaze, and in the sense that, that white people make black people feel unsafe, so they need to be in a space where there's no white people. But just a few decades ago, there was this argument that white people needed to be on their own because they were superior. It's, it's, uh, to me, the, the argument, while not exactly the same, is very, very similar. And it's sad because we're continuing this obsession with race and dividing people based on race. Every single Black person has a different story. There's Black people from Africa, there's Black people from America, from the Caribbean. They've all come from different backgrounds. There's lots of different cultures within Black people. To lump them all together, especially if it's in, um, supported by white university administrators, is not, I think, something that's useful. And to quote Dr. Carol Swain, who's a legendary Black Ivy League scholar, it's racist to the core. It is racist to the core. So um, McGill, Western, Dalhousie, uh, Concordia, the University of Toronto, Ryerson, McMaster, all toxic, racist institutions. They should be defunded. Uh, nobody should send their kids there. They're disgraceful. And it's also very, very sad, very divisive. This does not bode well for our future. Uh, and this is being promoted by administrators and professors at these horrible, horrible institutions. Eddie Cantan-Nantel is an Ottawa-based journalist with True North Support Independent Media, TNC.news, TNC.news. Your Campus Watch series is fantastic, Ellie. Keep up the great work. Thank you, and I look forward to speaking to you again soon. All right. All right, that is it for me. My thanks to uh, Jody, Jacob, and Ryan. I'll be back tomorrow to do it all over again. God willing, I'll speak with you at 4. Don't be late. Until then, I remain unbowed, unbent, unbroken. That's it. That's all. For more Richard Serrett Show, podcasts, blogs, and other stuff, go to saga960am.ca. Stop talking past each other and start talking with each other. We'll see you tomorrow afternoon at 4 on The Richard Serrett Show on News Talk, Saga 960am. Are you concerned about equality and fair treatment for African Americans? Do you believe in a future where our communities are safe from both crime and over-policing? President Biden's administration is making major decisions, and we need your voice to be heard. The proposed ban on menthol cigarettes is in its final stages of approval, and black and brown law enforcement executives have said it could have dire unintended consequences for African Americans. The clock is ticking. Call President Biden at 202-456-1414 and ask him to stop this proposed menthol rule. The ban on menthol could lead to an illicit market and increased crime in our communities. 
call President Biden and demand that he halt the ban on menthol until there's a review of the investigative findings. Let's make sure that over-policing and racial profiling come to an end. Call President Biden at 202-456-1414. Tell him to stop targeting African-Americans with a menthol ban. Time is running out. This message is paid for by Alliance for Fair and Equitable Policy.